0: I just point to the logo on my chest and tell em hey. Slendy, Ago, hey. Slendy, Ago, hey. Slendy, Ago, hey. Slendy, A hey. Hit it up hard, hit, up hard. Hit, it with strike. hit it with a strike From the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night. I've been hey. Slendy, Ago, hey. Slendy, Ago, hey. Slendy, Ago, hey. Slendy, A hey. You already know what's up, what's that, another home run Job ain't done. So we hold that hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 352 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you on this Friday night, March 3rd, 2023. The Padres, they unfortunately got no hit tonight by the Chicago Cubs, but that's the great thing about spring training getting no hit in spring training. It doesn't matter. Some fans will overreact to it, or maybe some other fan bases will make fun of the Padres for it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We can have a nice sleep tonight. It's not like we got no hit like in 2021 by the Diamondbacks, some no-name dude uh, in a regular season game that mattered, right? It was just a spring training game. So no need to worry about that. Padres lost 4 to nothing against Chicago. I actually... Yeah, obviously 4-0, that's not great, but I actually had some positive things to take away from today's game against the Cubs. I mean, Julio Teron, three scoreless innings. He got out of the first inning on that 5-4-3 double play. He used his two-seamer frequently. He had that runner on third with no outs in the third. Got a pop-out, strikeout looking, line out to first. He has five innings, has not allowed a run, I believe, at all this spring training so far. So he saw that Musgrove spot open up probably to start the year, and he's making himself a, a strong case to earn that spot. I think Chris Matt, he's probably already going to be on the roster as that last reliever, as a long man. But Bob Melvin was telling the media earlier today that they might be looking at having someone like Tayron be a long guy. It, it doesn't have to be as the sixth starter in the rotation. It could be a long guy. So we'll see. Maybe Chris Matt ends up being a starter and Tehran ends up being a long man. I think it would be the other way around, kind of like how they did it tonight, where Tehran, he started the game. Chris Matt came in after. By the way, Chris Matt, yeah, he gave up a home run. Uh, He gave up a sack fly. So he gave up two runs. Four nothing was the final, but he gave up the first two runs. But the... The contact that he gave up, it wasn't hard contact. Not a whole lot of it. The home run was, obviously, from Rios. But he he was, it looked like, I don't know if he, it didn't seem like he was fooling a lot of guys. He did strike out some guys. But he was getting some jam shots. And that's what Chris Matt does, right? Get some jam shots, get some weak pop-ups. And that's what he was doing today. This is, by the way, tonight was Chris Matt's last outing. Before the WBC. Going to be on Team Columbia for the WBC. So, I liked what I saw out of Tehran today. He's not going to blow you away with his velocity. But, I thought for the most part. That two-seamer was really working for him today. I think it was a two-seamer. I could be wrong on that. But, I thought it was a two-seamer. That he was throwing pretty frequently in the start tonight. And then Chris Matt not getting... A ton ton of hard contact. Honeywell came in the game after Chris Matt. Had his screwball working pretty well. Um, The first couple innings, I was really encouraged by what I saw from Honeywell there. That was, what, the seventh and eighth innings? Um, He had, I think, four strikeouts in those first two innings that he worked. He ended up going two and a third. One earned run, three hits, a walk. Struck out five guys. In two and a third innings. I don't think he's going to make the big league roster. But if he stays healthy. He could, he could be a candidate to have some spot starts at some point this year. Or maybe they want him to just to try maybe being the bullpen. Because of how effective he can be that first time around the order. And I don't know how effective he's going to be in the big leagues at some point. If he gets that chance with the Padres. When... He has to face a lineup multiple times. So we'll see with him. Jose was like Castillo came in to finish the game. Those are my main impressions. I mean, I don't have anything on offense. It's a spring training game. Guys didn't get hits. Obviously no one got a hit, but it's a spring training game. Whatever you move on. Uh, there was an injury note today. Juan Soto. He was supposed to be in the lineup, I believe. And Bob Melvin said that his calf is still bugging him a little bit. So that's why he was not in the lineup tonight. And I don't think this is a long term issue with Soto, but it is s- still an issue, obviously, because he's not in the lineup. It didn't affect his hitting the other day. It hasn't affected his hitting this spring. The guy is hitting like 800 so far in spring training. He's raking. Uh, the shift going away is probably helping him. Right. Uh, a great hitter. And then you take the shift away, too. That's going to make him even better. And I and it's spring training. So the numbers are probably going to be even better than they're going to be in the regular season when he's facing major league talent. But this so this calf thing, I don't think it's something to worry about long term, but I think it's something to to look into going into the World Baseball Classic for Soto because that starts for Team DR next week I think, next weekend. Their first game I believe is on the 11th, so next Saturday. I think that's the same kind of like the same schedule as Team USA. DR is playing in Miami, USA is playing in Phoenix, but I think they're they start on the same day. So that's something to look for. WBC Soto's gonna want to play every day. So hopefully this calf thing doesn't end up being a bigger issue and it ends up lingering when he comes back for spring training at the end in Peoria, and then it lingers going into the season. I hope not. Like if he's not in the lineup tomorrow that's fine like i don't need him getting hurt i don't need him having this linger and then you know he's going to play in the wbc because he cares about that a lot and that's why he got he's he's getting all of these at bats in spring early because he cares about the wbc he wants to be ready for that so he's going to play it seems like this is something he could play through if it was like an important situation maybe if these were regular season games he'd be playing through it so Again, I'm not worried about it long term, but it is something that is causing him probably a little bit of trouble now. I think it's been labeled as calf soreness. So we're obviously going to continue paying attention to that. So that was a note that came out of today. I will get to obviously the Soto and the hater stuff. That's the main part of this episode tonight. Uh, The Padres, their new hashtag, bring the gold. Do you guys like that? It's all right. I mean, it's not like I had any other idea for what the hashtag should be. Because 2021, it was hungry for more, right? Which, that didn't work out. 2022, last year, was time to shine. And then this year, it is bring the gold. Which, I don't really know what that means. Just bring the gold to the ballpark. Uh, That gold is one of the Padres' colors. They they referencing, referencing the World Series trophy a little bit there? LFGSD says, let the Cubs have it, the no-hitter. Probably the most exciting thing that will happen for them this year. No, don't forget about Hosmer. Hey, Hosmer might hit a couple home runs for them. That'll be exciting. They're going to get pissed when they see that guy playing first base. It's going to be pretty funny, actually. Cameron says, imagine getting no hit in spring training. Well, imagine caring about spring training. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I care about spring training, but imagine caring about being no hit in spring training. Who cares? All right. I wanted to get to John Heyman here. So he said in the New York Post the other day, I think this was yesterday that he said this the Padres. They are expected to reach out soon on both Soto and Hader about extensions. Soto says, quote, we're open to talking. We're just waiting, end quote. And Hader is open to it as well. Seems like both guys are open to extension talks. Padres expected to reach out soon. I'm not surprised by this. We knew going into spring training that the Padres were going to have some sort of conversation, some sort of dialogue. With Juan Soto, with Juan Soto's camp, which is Boris, that Boris Corp, who represents him. They were going to have some conversation on, okay, what are you looking at? Do you like this organization so far right now? What are you looking for years-wise? Like Just kind of as like a feeling out thing here. I, I did not expect a, an extension to get done in spring training. I don't think an extension is going to get done in spring training. I don't think an extension is going to get done at all this season. I mean, the Padre, unless the Padres like throw $500 million at him. I guess you can't say that's out of the question. But I think when Juan Soto is this close to free agency, two more years, it seems like a long time. But when Soto is right there, and he knows, this doesn't seem like a situation where Soto, let's say he has two average years, he's going to not get a lot of money in free agency if he goes to free agency. He's going to get paid no matter what. He's just that type of talent, and I think it is smart on his part to wait this thing out. Don't sign an extension early with the Padres. And again, I'm looking at this from Soto's view. I, I'd love for him to sign an extension with the Padres early, obviously before Otani comes to free agency and signs. Yeah, I'd love that. But from Soto's point of view, from Scott Boris's point of view, they're probably like, hey. Let's not sign anything. Sure we can have conversations, but I'm not signing anything until at least until at least Otani signs in free agency. Because Soto's probably gonna want to use that as the bar, right? And I don't really know if Otani is the best bar. I don't know if that's that's the best comparison with Soto. Soto's younger, right? He's gonna be twenty six when he's a free agent. He doesn't pitch and hit. Like I don't know if it's the best comparison. I think Soto's a better hitter, pure hitter than Otani, But Otani pitches as well. He can have a sub-3 RA and hit 30 home runs in a season. Soto can't do that. Soto's great, but he can't do that. I think the better comparison is Mike Trout's contract. Mike Trout got the extension. I think he was 27 the first year of the extension. Could be wrong on that, but it was like a 12-year deal worth $426.5 million. The total money. And so I think Soto's gonna use that as like the bar, the minimum, because the market has changed since Trout signed that extension. I think it was in 2019. It's only gone up. I know a lot of that is in free agency, but the market has gone up probably a little bit in extensions as well. Uh Fernando hadn't played a full season yet in the big leagues, and he got $340 million you know what does that tell you you know you look at soto he has the track record of greatness you know so i think you're looking at so if you're looking at it from juan soto's point of view he's probably looking at the trout contract and and using that as a bar or at least he's using the, the nationals contract that they offered him as a bar because remember he rejected that 440 million dollar offer i think that's what it was from the nationals before he was traded to the Padres. That's why the Nationals traded him because they weren't going to be able to extend him. Like they were just they were comfortable with going 440 around 450, but they they didn't want to go longer than that. I think they offered him 14 years for 440 million, something like that. And he rejected it. So he's going to use that as the floor. There's no way he's going to accept an extension with the Padres at this point if it's less than that. So I see Soto waiting this thing out. I see him going to free agency now. If the Padres again, if the Padres go off from five hundred million dollars, that's I'm I would think that would be hard for Soto to turn down. Like someone in the chat here, yeah, says fifteen for five hundred. If the Padres went and offered Soto fifteen for five hundred, so he'd be playing till the contract would be till he's like forty one, same as Manny, right? Offer him five hundred million dollars. That would be real ballsy of him to reject that extension. They're giving you 500 million dollars you haven't even played a full season yet in this Padres uniform. You can take the 500 right then and there. I mean, it's easy for me to say I'd take it, but if I'm Juan, like I would seriously think about taking that cuz injuries could happen. I did just say a few moments ago like regardless of the years that he's going to have the next 2 years with the Padres, I still think he's going to get paid But if he has two average years with the Padres, if he has another 2022 season in 2023 and 2024, then maybe it's not 500, maybe it's 400 million. Um, 400 million is still a ton of money, but that's not 500 million. So, look, I'm not going to count out the Padres for extending Juan Soto. I just don't see an extension happening with Juan Soto, at least until Otani signs. Because I think it's just the smart business move for Soto to not rush things. You have Otani Sign, who's going to get a ton of money, more than Manny. He's going to get more than Trout, probably, in free agency. Might get $500 from a team. Who knows? The Mets, the Dodgers, who knows? Again, I don't know if Soto, it would be smart to use Otani as the bar, like the minimum, like, okay, Otani got this, so you better pay me more than this or this is the minimum because they're two different players. But the, the Trout contract, 426.5, it's got to be more than that, probably if you're looking at it from Soto's view. And it has to be probably more than 440, which is what I believe the Nationals offered him because he rejected it. from. I mean, he could accept the 440 from the Padres because the Padres are in a better situation than the Nationals, right? The Nationals, they already won the World Series. They, they, they don't have Xander, Tatis, Manny. Garvish, Musgrove, you know, locked in long-term and crony here for the next three years, right? And an owner that is spending a ton of money. I'm not saying Mark uh, Mark Lerner, Ted Lerner, the Lerner's, the ownership there in, in uh, for the Nationals, I'm not saying that they didn't spend money. They obviously did. They spent huge on uh, Strasburg, which hasn't worked out, but they still did. They spent big on that Corbin contract. Like, they offered Soto 440. Like, they're willing to pay a lot of money for guys. Harper was a little bit of a low ball, you know, 300, I think was the best offer. And they said, take it or leave it. They probably could have tried a little bit more on that, but they probably were looking at it in the future. Like, Hey, we want this Soto guy here long-term who's younger than Harper. So maybe that was some of the the thinking there with the Bryce thing. They have a lot of money. The nationals do, but the Padres, they're in a better situation right now than the nationals were when the Nationals offered Juan Soto this big extension. It was Juan Soto, and who else? Trey Turner was gone. Uh, Scherzer was gone. Strasburg is just injury-prone. Patrick Corbin sucks now. That's what it seems like. Victor Robles is not the same player that he was in 2019. Um, Who else is on that team? This was before they obviously got all the big prospects because Soto was on the team still. It's just—they're it, not in the same place the Padres are. So I under—I could understand. I could see Soto maybe taking a extension similar to the Nationals' extension because it's with the Padres. It's just a better situation. But I think he'd only take that extension if he's coming off of another bad twenty twenty three. I not bad. It wasn't a bad season. It was a bad season for Soto probably. It was an average season, probably above average season for the average player, but for Soto standards, it was down from the usual Soto that we're used to. But he did deal with the trade, and he he did have a really, really bad slump, and there was the shift that took away hits. That's not going to happen this year. So I think Soto, he's going to have an MVP caliber year if he's healthy. That's sure what it seems like right now. I know it's early in spring, but he's looking really good. I guarantee you he's not going to have another down season like he did last year for his standards. Uh, I mean, last year, this is considered a down season for Soto. A 5-6 war, 27 home runs, 149 OPS plus. The league average is 100. And it is below average for Soto. Because if you look at the years prior to that... Um... It's not loading for me. Sorry. Baseball references. Not cooperating. Okay, here it is. So we go to 2021 compared to 2022. So 2022, 149 OPS plus. That's like a down year for Soto. 2021, a 175 OPS plus. 2020, 217 OPS plus. Uh, 2019 is rookie year, 142 OPS plus. Which was a little bit worse than 2022. But this was his worst OPS Plus since his rookie year. It, it was considered a down year for him. He was not a finalist for the MVP, where in 2021, he was top two. 2020, top five. 2019, top 10. Rookie of the year, placed second in that in 2018. So Sorry, 18 was, I guess, his rookie year. Um, not 19. But 19, 19, I just remember because the World Series and how young he was and all that. But my point here is, like Soto, this past season was a down year for him. And even with that, I still think teams would give him over $440 million, which is, again, what the Nationals offered. And that's going to be the low bar. He already rejected that, so it's got to be probably at least that in an extension. And the Padres, they, they they're willing to do that. I think they're willing to offer Soto that. I think it just becomes a question of are you willing to give him 500 before he hits free agency or do you want to spend it a little bit on Hater lock him down and you just hope that Soto can come back in free agency you get 2 years out of Soto here or you go get Otani which it's not a guarantee he signs here even if they offer the most money but maybe you just bring back Hater you spend on Otani and say we'll just go all in 2024. Hopefully, we won the World Series in 2023. 2024, we'll have Otani, Soto, Bogarts, Tatis, and Manny all on the same team. You know, maybe they go that route, but that, that's just throwing things up in the air at this point, right? That's just some, you know, different scenarios that maybe the Padres front office is probably throwing around, right? Um, but haters, so. Again, if you're just tuning in here, Padre's expected to reach out soon, according to John Heyman, on both the Soto and hater fronts on extensions. Soto or hater? If I had to pick one, obviously we're picking Soto. He's an everyday player, he's younger. He doesn't pitch once every few nights, he doesn't pitch like just in the ninth inning, just in save situations. He plays every day, right? Multiple at bats, 30 plus home runs. Um, maybe not 30-plus home runs every season. He's done it, like, once. But he's one of the best hitters we've ever seen, probably, right? Just best pure hitters. Um, you're giving it to him. Like, that's a no-brainer. That's not what the real question should be here. I think the real question is not about, like, the Padres' desire. Like, do they want to extend Soto? Should they extend Soto? I think we can all agree they should extend Soto if, if Soto allows it. But I think he's going to free agency at this point. But if he allows it, of course they should extend him. Um, I think the the better question here is should they really extend Josh Hader? Should they give him a contract that is better than Edwin Diaz's contract that he signed this offseason from the New York Mets? Because remember, Edwin Diaz's contract, five years, 102 million dollars. Are that should the Padres be paying Josh Hader over twenty million dollars a year to be the closer pitch one inning at a time, because he doesn't really go multiple innings, how many times is he going back to pitch back to back-to-back-to-back nights? Right? I, I have confidence that Bob Melvin, he's not going to do the same thing same thing that he did last postseason and not use Hayter, uh in Philadelphia at all in that NLCS. If they get to that point again, I think he'll use him almost every game in series, even if they're losing. I, I think, look, he wants to save bullets, and that's what he was trying to do, but... You got to use Hater. You know this coming postseason. I think he's going to learn from that, so I'm not worried about that part. But he's not going to give you. It seems like he's not really going to give more than an inning, more than three outs. Like he's really comfortable giving just three outs. And this year, that's probably fine because the Padres. I, I like the bullpen. They have arms that can cover more than three outs. Other than Hater, they have arm. They have seventh inning guy, eighth inning guy. Like, they should be good there. They have depth guys that can pitch in the sixth. Um, Lugo might end up being in the bullpen, and he can pitch multiple innings if you need him to. So I'm not worried about Hater not being able to pitch or not wanting to pitch maybe more than three outs or the Padres' plan just telling him you're not pitching more than three outs. I don't know what the situation is there with that. Is it Hater saying that I don't want to do this, or is it the Padres saying that you're not going to pitch more than three outs? Uh, just to save your arm, preserve you. Uh, is it a combination of those things? I don't know, but I don't want to give Hader twenty million dollars a year for five years. I, I right now, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, it's not my money. If Peter if Peter Seidler did it, it would be like Bogarts. Like I'd be really happy that he did it. And Josh Hader, he's one of the best relievers in baseball, so he's going to be the closer for the next three years probably right the, he, I think he has you know three four really really solid years left of his prime uh but look Robert Suarez the Padres signed him to that extension or they brought him back excuse me it wasn't an extension but they gave him uh five years forty six million dollars nine point two million dollars average annual value the AAV there they gave him that contract I think with the thought that he's going to be the closer. Starting next season, thinking that yeah, Diaz just got over a hundred mil from the Mets. Hater's gonna use that as the bar, and he's gonna get at least that in free agency. We don't want to spend over a hundred million dollars on a reliever, right? What's the biggest contract Preller has handed out to a reliever? Is it Suarez right here, forty-six mil? Because the Drew Pomeranz contract. Drew Pomerance contract, let me see here. It is four years, 34 mil. Eight and a half AAV. Suarez is, is 9.2. So yeah, I think this is the biggest contract, free agent contract, biggest reliever contract handed out by Preller. Does he want to double that, more than double that for Hader? That That's the money question, right? I mean... Also, does Seidler want to do it too, obviously, because he's the one paying it? Because um, Robert Suarez, if you look at the age, right, 32. And Hater's age, what is he? He's 28. Okay, so he's actually younger, significantly younger. But if you look at the innings, I would bet that Suarez has less innings than Hater does. Career. In the big leagues, 47 and two-thirds innings. I know he just got here, and Hayter's been in the big leagues for a while, and Suarez did throw innings, I think it was overseas, but Hayter in his career has 332 and a third innings. Like, that's a lot more mileage, right? And those are, like, high, intense situations. And some of those innings were him pitching not like how he's pitching now, you know, only three outs. He was like the Andrew Miller, you know, Andrew Miller with the then Indians in 2016, how he pitched in like the sixth or the seventh. Those were that was like the save situation there. Terry Francona had Miller pitch those outings. That's what the Brewers were doing with Hater before they used that against him, I think in arbitration. And then he, and then he stopped doing it. He was like, no, I'm pitching the ninth inning. That's it. I'm pitching one inning. Like you use this against me in arbitration. Pretty much. I think this is what the Brewers did pretty much was, like telling Hater, hey, you didn't have as many saves as you did this year, or you uh, had blah 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 these numbers in high leverage situations. Well, they were pitching him more than other guys in these situations, so it wasn't totally fair uh, to be, you know, ripping Hater for that. But that's what teams do in the arbitration process. This isn't about arbitration. This is about Hater. Would you give him over a hundred million dollars? If this was another team and Hader was the closer and they didn't have Suarez, someone like Suarez on a five-year contract potentially, there's an option, I think, in there. But they didn't have him on a potentially five-year contract like this, like the Padres do, then yeah, I would probably say, I mean, what's what's the other choice? Kind of have to go get Hader. But that's not the case that with the Padres, obviously. That's not the situation the Padres are in. They can let Hader go. And they have Suarez that can close. They have, or they can't. I think Garcia is a free agent at the end of the year. They can bring him back. And guys that are under contract in the Padres bullpen beyond this season. Let me look that up. Bear with me here. I'm going to look that up. Um, and meanwhile, here's a message about Gagliombros. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Getting back here, so I'm on spot track right now. Suarez is going to be a Padre next year. Lugo has, I think, the player option, so I'm not including him. Um, But I'm just looking at guys that are going to be in the Padres' bullpen next year if there's no trades. Suarez, Tim Hill, Adrian Morahone, Chris Matt, that's four. Weathers, I mean, he's a starter, but could be. Steven Wilson, Reese Kinnear is another option probably. Um, Pedro Avila, Ray Kerr. They have uh, that prospect, Kevin Cops as well. I haven't looked too deep into the Padres' farm system, but they can always grab free agents that are less than $20 million a year, right? I'm sure there's, good, there's some high-leverage caliber relievers that are going to be free agents at the end of 2023 that the Padres could add that isn't going to cost $20 million a year and have to pay them five years, right? Um, I, I would like, I mean, I know it's, Based on, you know, players, like they're going to compare, like Hader, he's going to compare what Diaz got, and like, I deserve that. I, I'm He probably believes, his representation as well, probably believes that he's on the same level as Edwin Diaz, and I, I'm not going to argue with that. I, I totally understand him comparing himself to Edwin Diaz. If I were the Padres, the best contract would probably be like three years. Would I be willing to give $20 million to Hader over three years? I'd be more willing, definitely. I still don't really want to pay $20 million if I was Peter Seidler to a reliever every year. But three years, I'd be much more willing to do that than five years. Like that That's a big difference. Um, I, I think Hader has three really good years left after this season. Uh, five years, that might be a stretch. And I know it's these contracts... Bogarts, he's not going to be the same player that he is now in 2030, right? Like, I I understand that. But it is different. Reliever contracts and position player contracts are different. Like, you could be paying Hayter $20 million in the fourth or the fifth year of the deal, uh, $20 million a year, and he's going to be maybe sidelined, or his velocity is going to be down, or he's just not going to be as effective as he is now. where with position players, I feel like you can get around it a little bit more. There's the DH. Like, the position players can still have a positive impact if they're not playing the field every day, if they're not hitting 30 home runs a year. Where relievers, it's like, you get one inning, and if you don't have it, you don't have it, and that's that could really hurt the team, you know? But again, if, if the Padres, they bring it back Josh Hader on a long-term deal five, six years, over 100 million dollars. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it because we're trying to win right now, right? Like we'd have Josh Hader for the rest of his prime, one of the best relievers in baseball. Like I'd be happy about it. But I'm I'm just saying, I guess I just had the viewpoint. I'm just I'll say this, like I'm I'm fine with Suarez being the closer next year and The Padres just get all that they can get out of Josh Hader this year. Like if Josh Hader pitches his butt off and he's pitching in every postseason game and he's like Andrew Miller was for Cleveland in 2016 and then he leaves in free agency and he gets a lot of money, the Padres aren't willing to pay that. Okay, I'm fine with that. Like The Padres traded for Hader with multiple years of control knowing that he's probably going to be a free agent and the extension's probably not going to happen. I think that's why they made the deal uh, because they got multiple years of control for Hader and they were just going to use those years up as much as they could and you'll see what happens after that, right? Um, So Soto over Hader, obviously, that's not the discussion. The discussion is, would you give Josh Hader the extension? Like, would you give him over $20 million a year, right? Um. I don't see much hater talk in here. Oh, I gotta scroll up. Hang on one second. So back to Soto Talk here. So hopefully, just hitting, hitting on hater one more time, just Hopefully, you guys understand. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'd be happy if the Padres extended Hater, but if I was, if I was AJ Preller, looking at it from a baseball viewpoint, and I've had a track record of being able to bring in relievers for less than half of what Hater is going to get in free agency per year, I would be fine with Hater going and signing with another team in free agency. If we get all we can get out of Hater this year. And he's the Josh Hader that we saw in the postseason. When it matters most for us, I'll thank him for his services, and we have Robert Suarez already locked up to be the closer next year. Maybe their plan A is to lock up Hader and have Suarez and just have a good 8-9 there. Or their plan was all along, like it seems like most of us think it is, was they're okay, they're a sign of the fact Hader will walk, they're gonna engage with hater in extension talks here, which I'm not surprised. Like of course you ask, like maybe he'll say yes because he loves the Padres and the situation they're in right now. But of course they're gonna talk about it, but I think the Padres should be expecting him to go to free agency just to so he can get you know the most money that he can. Uh, getting back to Soto here, Alex says, I think even if they throw 500 at him, he will test free agency. Yeah, very well could be the case, because he could use the Padres' offer against them in free agency, against other teams in free agency. He could say, hey, well, the Padres offered me $500 million in an extension. They're a World Series contender, Steve Cohen, so you better off me f- you better offer me $550 million if you want me, or $520 million. You better offer me more than $500 million because if you don't, I'm going back to the Padres because they're in a great situation just like the Mets are in terms of contention years and years and years. You know? The Dodgers, you want me? Oh, I don't like you, so you're going to have to give me way more than what the Padres are offering. They're offering me $500 million you going to offer me a 550. You know, something like that. He could use the Padres offer against other teams in free agency or he could use it against the Padres and say, "Hey, uh, you offered me $500 million in an extension. The Mets just offered me 520. Do you want me? You got to match that." Like he could be doing this too. So, I'm not surprised to see Soto open to extension talks because why would you shut them down? Right? Like, worst-case scenario for him, I guess, is signing an extension for, like, 440 or something if he has another average season uh, in, you know, Juan Soto standards, down year maybe. But the worst-case scenario, like, for free agent-wise is, or not free agent-wise, but, like, extension-wise, the Padres offer him $500 million or something in an extension, and he just takes it just to minimize any risk and just say, you know what, I could get hurt in 2024. I don't want to risk that. I'm just going to take the 500 here. He could do that. He could take the 450 and just say, hey, I'm happy where I'm at. I get to be teammates with Manny, Tatis, and Bogart for the next decade plus. I'm happy with that. And the Padres, they're going to be contending every year. I'm happy with where I'm at. I have a ton of money. I have, I'm set for life. My children, if I have children, are going to be set for life. Grandkids might be set for life. My family's going to be good. Uh, I'm happy. I want to win. And maybe he just signs the extension. The Padres, they're going to try. That's for sure. They're definitely going to try. But yeah, Alex, I mean, if they throw 500 at him, he might just go to free agency and Say, hey, I mean, I'll go to free agency. The Padres have 500 on the table. I'll just go back to the Padres for 500 if I don't like any other offers that are out there. Or maybe the Padres say 500 here on an extension, take it or leave it. If you go to free agency, you don't really want to be here. They could do that, but I don't think it would be smart for them to close off negotiations with Soto just because they offer a ton of money and he doesn't take it, you know? LFGSD says, Hater extension confuses me a bit. I mean, really nice to get him, but what about Suarez then? If if the Padres extend Hater, then Suarez would just be a really nice eighth inning guy. Sure, paying over $9 million a year to the eighth inning guy, maybe that's not ideal, but Peter, it's not our money, right? Peter Sider can afford it. And I'm not going to be complaining about having a Hater-Suarez 8 ninth combo. Um Again, if I was AJ Preller, I would just be hesitant on giving Hader 5-6 years for over more than $20 million a year. When I've had a track record of bringing in other talent that makes a lot less money um to fill those holes. He's always done it. I mean, you go back to 2016, he had Fernando Rodney, right? And Brad Hand after that, right? And I'm sure I'm going to forget someone. Brad Hand after that, it was Kirby Yates, right? And then it was... Who was it? Um, I'm forgetting the beginning of the year, 2020. Who was the closer beginning of the year, 2020? Because I know it was Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal in a trade, right? I think it was the trade. And then 2021, opening day, they bring in Taylor Rogers. He works out. He was, like, second in saves. He made that. He made sure to point that out when he was sucking against or in Detroit. In 2021. But that worked out for the most part. Then. They trade. Did they trade? They didn't trade him then, right? No, I think that was was an off-season trade, right? After 2021 with Paddock, right? Yeah. Before opening day. And. That, no, no, no. That was opening day. Sorry, I'm getting my dates mixed up. 2021 opening day. That's where they got Taylor Rogers. Then after 2021, 2022 comes and the closer was opening day. Who was closing games? It, they didn't really have one, right? It was, or was, no. Gosh, my dates are totally getting mixed up. 2022, beginning of 2022, Taylor Rogers was the closer. Then they trade him, they get Hater. There we go. And I'm opening day. is blew it. Sorry, right, sorry for mixing up the dates there. Yeah, 2021 was Rosenthal, right? No, 2021. Melanson. There we go. I knew I would forget someone. Melanson. But that—that's not. The point is, you see these guys that he continues to bring in year after year right? Those guys had success with the Padres. In the year that they were there, like, no one was, like, a total bust out of those guys, right? Like, they worked out for a period of time. So, Preller has, he's always had that ability to do that. So, I'm not gonna, if they don't bring back Hader, I'll trust that they're gonna bring in quality relievers. Sorry for that brain fart there. Yeah, so it was Rodney, it was Brad Hand, Kirby Yates, uh, Trevor Rosenthal, Mark Melanson, Taylor Rogers, Josh Hader. He's always had a history of doing it. I mean, I guess I could bring up Craig Kimball in what 2015. He made that trade. I think that was near opening day as well. The beef says they'd rather have a uh, excuse me Soto than Otani. Otani is getting older and one injury cuts his production by 50%. He seems to be more of a gamble. Yeah, I mean, look, Soto with with the age, I I for me, it's kind of like I know Soto's an amazing hitter. I think he's a better pure hitter than Otani. I don't know how much longer Otani's gonna pitch and hit. So am I am I gonna be paying 50 million a year to a guy that's only doing one of those things, you know, midway through the contract? Right. Um he could get hurt pitching and that affects him hitting as well. He could get hurt hitting, and then he can't pitch. You know, so, yeah, there is a risk there with Otani. I'd love to have Otani. I'd love to have either. But it's also like, don't try to out-happy-happy. We're already happy with Juan Soto as a padre. Seems like he loves it here. Um, It's a great team right now on paper, and I'd like to have that for the next decade plus. Ohtani, yeah, he's a great talent. And this might be weird to say. It's not like a, a slight against Ohtani. But I'd be fine with Ohtani not being a Padre if Soto's a Padre long-term. I, I don't feel the Padres need Ohtani. Or some other teams probably feel like they need Ohtani, like the Dodgers probably, next offseason. The Padres probably don't feel like they need Ohtani. Maybe Preller does because that's like his white whale. But I don't think they need Ohtani. I think having Soto, Bogarts, Tatis, and Manny for the next decade plus, that sets you up pretty well. And you can fill the pitching holes somehow. Darvish must grow for the next five years. Um, hopefully, they'll get some prospect pitchers coming up, being able to develop those guys, or Preller can trade for starting pitching, or free agents will come, even on one- or 2 years deals. Like... Michael Walker showed it this offseason. Many Padres, new Padres have showed it. Like, they're willing to take less to come to the Padres now. They want to be a part of the Padres organization where that's that wasn't the case in 2018, 2019, right? Jake says half of it is money, but I think it will come down to opt-outs. He's going to want to test for agency like how Manny did because the market is bound to change. So Jake's saying here, like, maybe the Padres have to give him a 14-year co- contract or a 10-year contract maybe worth, what, $400 million, $450, 45000000 a year. Give him an opt-out when he's 30, the same as Manny. Maybe that is what gets it done. But, but why would, I don't even know, like, I understand the point there, but if you're Juan Soto, if a team's going to offer you $500 million, why would you have an opt out there? You know, like, once you just want the money, all guaranteed, the no trade clause, once you just want the 500 mil, like if I was, I know it's easy for me to say, cause I don't have a million dollars even, uh, I'm probably not going to get that ever in my life. It's easier for fans to say that, like it's five hundred million dollars. Like, of course, why wouldn't you just take that? Why would you want an opt out there? But it is Boris. You know, he, he does like to have some opt outs in there. And Soto did see that Manny was able to capitalize midway through the contract, so that is possible. But I think Soto is going to get at least four hundred fifty mil. And if that's the case, then I think he'll just think about having no opt outs and just taking the money and be happy with the money that he has for the entirety of the contract it's not like he got he's getting 300 over the contract like Manny did in the first contract or would have gotten he's still going to get it but he's going to get more than that now it's he he's going to get 450 at least i would think Mike says Mike Trout is offense and defense. He was referring to when I was saying that that Soto should probably be comparing himself to the Trout contract, 426.5 mil. I understand that point, but Mike Trout has also gotten that money. I know this was beforehand, but he's also gotten that money and not been able to stay on the field consistently. Right? Let's go through the years. 2022... Didn't play 120 games. 2021, only 36 games played. 2019, okay, he was healthy. 134, 140, 2018, 2019. So he was pretty healthy there. But if you were to compare that with Juan Soto recently, I mean, Trout's played longer. So let's just go with Soto's entire career. 2018, 116 games was his rookie year. I don't know when he debuted. Um, I don't know if that was op- an opening day thing. I don't think it was. 2019, 150 games. 2021, 151 games. 2022, 153 games. See what I'm saying? Like the, He stays on the field more than Mike Trout does. So he could use that as an argument to why he should get more than Trout. And he is, I think, going to be one year younger if he's a free agent. Than Trout was when he signed that big deal with the Angels. Yeah, Irie makes a good point. Soto seemed really homesick in the interview that he watched or that uh, Marty Caswell did. Yeah, but his family does go to some Padres games. And he does, if he does come to return to the Padres on an extension, stays with the Padres or whatever team he goes to. Sure, maybe he wants to be on the East Coast, but he'll have money for private jets. The Padres could send out private jets. Uh, Maybe his family would be willing to come to San Diego and live with him during the season. I I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, He seems comfortable with the Padres, like, setting that aside. Um, I know it's hard to set family aside. I'm not saying set the family aside. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. It does, but having a ton of money like soto will have and being in a place where he can consistently contend for a world series i think is important to him and the padres are going to be a place for that that's what it seems like with the direction the padres are going um and he'll have he'll have the money for you know private jets for his family to come out and see him frequently and stuff like that Irie says Soto 4 for 120, then he would be 28 and can sign that 10 to 12 year crazy deal. Yeah, but if it's only a four year deal, he's going to ask for more than 30 million a year. I mean, Manny's getting over 30 million a year AAV with the signing bonus on this new contract. And he's going to be four years younger than Manny. So he would 4 for 120 would not get it done. If it's shorter years, like only four years, the AAV is going to have to be a lot higher. Yeah, Colton says Brewers signed Luke Voigt. Seems like a depth option, someone who can play first base as well. It, it kind of felt like a weird fit, Voigt, to the Brewers. Is it a minor league deal? I think it is. But if you were to look at the Brewers depth chart on FanGraphs, they have Rowdy Telez at first, Jesse Winker DHing. They don't even have Luke Voigt on the bench even on like the projected roster hopefully he'll get an opportunity there or he'll get an opportunity somewhere else obviously rooting for the guy i still feel for him you know what happened with the you know at the trade deadline thought he was going to be with the Padres, and then he wasn't he ended up having to go to the nationals which obviously he didn't want to be there Irie says, "I'm hoping for a big year for my boy Myers, just not against us. LOL. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for a big year for Myers too because I want him to get out of Cincinnati. Um, They were willing to pay him. He got, he took the money, and he gets more money if he's traded. I think that I believe I remember that being part of the contract. So, uh, if he gets traded, more money for Myers. And I'm just hoping he goes to a contender. Like I don't want to see him." be sitting there in Cincinnati all year. I understand going into the trade deadline but hopefully Cincinnati can put him in a good spot. Hopefully it's here. Uh well, but then also if it's here then probably someone got hurt or the Nelson Cruz thing or Matt Carpenter didn't work out. They'd still find a spot cuz Myers could play outfield too. So I hope that he gets traded to back to the Padres like he deserves to be part of that parade whenever it happens so i hope he's on the team if the padres can you know be fortunate enough to win it all this year i know that's a long way down the road but i'd love to have myers back with the padres at some point i don't know how likely that is it's probably unlikely but it sucks to see him not on the padres just as a you know diehard padres fan that watched every game even when the padres sucked Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm behind in the chat. I see, guys, Chris says, Yates, Kimbrell. when I forgot Melanson. Yeah, that's the guy I forgot. Rosenthal, Rogers. Yeah, that was my point. Like, Preller, he has a good history of continuing to bring in relievers, not want to overpay for relievers. He let Kirby go to the Blue Jays. He let Rosenthal go after 2020, and he brought in some other guys. Some guys from overseas that he's brought in, right? Garcia came from the Cardinals, right? Suarez came from overseas. Um, just bringing in, making some trades for lower salary guys. The Taylor Rogers move did work initially, right? Then they bring in Hater, and that ended up working. It, it sucked at the beginning, but it ended up working. Um, and hopefully it works all of this year. Little stuff like that. The Tim Hill trade. I know he's not a closer, but... That worked out, right? They traded Franchi Cordero to Kansas City in that deal. And now Tim Hill's been one of the more uh, effective, impactful relievers for the Padres coming from that weird arm angle, the left side. And it seems like he's a great human being. I mean, he's at every Padres community event imaginable. Well, Alex Alex says Heath Bell. That was, that was before Preller's days. I'm talking about Preller. I'm not talking about the Padres organization. I could go all day about Padres relievers, uh, just organization who they've had in their history. I I was talking more Preller. Who has he brought in? Because he's the guy that's running the show. Yeah, there's Austin's throwing out 15 years for 70 for Soto. Alex is throwing out 15 years for 60. I mean, yeah. What's 470? 470 is a lot, but that might be what it takes. 470 for 14 years would be $33 million. A little over 33. 15 year deal, 470 would be a little over 31. That's like the same AAV as Manny's contract. Um, Maybe Soto's going to be fine with that, but I don't, again, I don't see him signing an extension, even thinking about signing an extension. Before Otani signs, because I think Boris is going to use that. Uh, again, I don't, I don't. I don't know if that's the best comparison. Soto to use that with Otani. Compare Soto and Otani, because those are two different players. One guy is he's so so talented on both sides, hitting and pitching. And Soto doesn't pitch, but um, and he's not the strongest defender. But Boris will make the argument that he's the better pure hitter. He's younger. He stays healthy. Like, Boris, there's a reason why he's the best agent, you know, at least in terms of guys getting their money. He's the best agent in baseball. But yeah, the numbers that you guys are throwing out 460, 470, it's going to take that at least, probably. I'd say at least 450. And it's going to be unless he wants to do one of those short deals where it's like four or five years, then he opts out or he ha- or he has an opt-out in place so he can go get another long-term deal because the market will probably get better then too uh, at the time of that opt-out if he puts one in there. But yeah, if he doesn't have an opt-out and it's 15 years, for, it, it's probably going to be that long and it's probably going to be 470, something like that. Maybe more than that. Captain SPZ says it doesn't sound like Soto likes it here, to be honest. I disagree. I mean, the good morning stuff that he has on the Padres social channels, uh, the smile, it seems like he's always smiling. Um, I guess you could, you know, take into account the comment that he made to Marty the other day, or she was in spring. This was an interview that was taped like weeks ago uh, that was just put out, I think, this week. But, yeah, he was telling Marty that, like, uh, he misses family, essentially. And that's, like, the only down thing about this. But everything else is great. Uh, So, yeah, obviously family is a big factor. I'm not saying it's not. Uh, But I I disagree with him with your comment there. It doesn't seem like Soto likes it here. It seems like he does like it here. Uh, At least that's my point of view. Alex says, any word on Drew Pomerantz? Yes, so... He is a week away, I believe, from throwing a bullpen, or throwing to hitters, excuse me. He's been throwing bullpens. He feels great, which you can take that with a grain of salt, I guess, because it's just him without throwing a bunch of innings yet, him not facing batters yet. But his comments to Kevin Ac in the Union Tribune, like, he really wants to be on the field. He's tired of sitting on the sideline, you know? Uh, he, he's... He's pissed off about it. So I like that, you know, because some fans thought hey, he's just stealing money. He doesn't really care. He's just taking the money and not working hard. No, it seems like he's working his butt off. He's just been in a ton of pain. And so he's just had to wait for that pain to go down. Because it was his, the surgery I think that he had, he was like over, What what is it? He was over too healthy. I think that's the phrase that was used in that article the other day. He was too healthy. Um, because it was the it was so tight, the the tissue was so tight in his arm. Juan says trade Pomerantz. I'm not ready to trade Pomerantz yet. I, I think if the Padres want to trade him, I understand why. Like they'd get under the luxury tax. It's a lot of money for a guy that's not contributing a whole lot, or at least he hasn't recently for the Padres. But when he is pitching well, he is a really good reliever. So if he can be healthy, he's going to be really good for this bullpen, I think. That's going to make the bullpen that much stronger. We liked the bullpen last year. Imagine if Pomerantz is healthy. That's going to make the bullpen that much better for 2023, right? In a full season of Hader, full season of Suarez, probably pitching better than he did at parts of last year. Um Lugo being in the bullpen at some point, I, I imagine. I, I just don't see him being in the rotation the whole year. Uh, the bullpen, I hope, is going to be better than it was last year, and it was it was good last year. The Padres have always, for the most part, they've had strong bullpens, uh, at least the back end. Um, I'm not ready to trade Pomerantz. I think if the Padres are going to trade him, I think they want him building up his value first and showing that he can be healthy. Because I don't think they'd get a ton for him because of the contract one, and he hasn't stayed healthy. So, what's the return the Padres are going to get? It would just be a salary dump. That's what it would be. I don't want it to just be a salary dump if you're trading Pomeranz before the deadline. If you know if that's what it has to be, okay. But I don't think the Padres should force a Pomeranz trade right now. He could be an impact for you, you know, at the beginning of the year. First half of the year, and then you trade him, build up his value, you trade him, he helped you in the first half of the year, you can get under the luxury tax, because the number that it is right now does not matter, what matters is what it is at the end of the year, so consider that as well. We'll see what happens there, but Pomerantz, I guess he's healthy, and he's just ramping up. Omar says Soto just bought a house here, same house Bogarts wanted. He's going to stay. I wouldn't read too much into that. It's not like Manny where he's been here for four years, four seasons, four seasons, right? 19, 20, yeah, four seasons, going on his fifth, and he changed the house to his exact specifications like, and was going to, with Seidler to Colorado to look at the clubhouse to see what they can maybe get from the Rockies clubhouse. And implement that for the Padres' new clubhouse uh, starting next year. I think that's when the renovations are going to happen after this season. And then the renovations will be ready for 2024 when the guys are in there. Um, that I read into. Soto having a house, I'm not reading into that. Like he could, I'm sure there will be plenty of people that would be willing to take Soto's house if he doesn't stay, including Bogart's, because they were looking at the same house. Yeah. It's not like us buying a house, and it's like, well, that's our house. uh these guys have millions of dollars, and Soto's contract will that that house that he'll pay for, let's say he doesn't sell it and he just has the house. that will be a fraction of the of the contract. He could go live in San Diego in the off season if he wants to. like I wouldn't read too much into that. Uh MM is baseball says trade Grisham or Kim. Like if I had to pick one, Grisham or Kim, I'd probably trade Kim over Grisham. That might come as a surprise, but um uh maybe I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. I like the Padres infield depth a little bit. I, I like I mean it could be stronger. The Padres' outfield depth has been surprisingly pretty good so far this spring training, but it's a really small sample size. Spring training. My answer to that is kind of a non-answer. I don't want to trade either of those guys. I love where the roster is at right now, and I don't think there's a need to go trade, force a trade for one of for starting pitching. To trade one of those guys, like I think having Soto, Grisham, Tatis when Tatis comes back. I like that outfield. I believe in Trent Grisham still. Maybe I'm one of the few believers still in Grish, but I believe in him. He still has the potential there. We know what he's going to give defensively, and he can't be worse than he was last year. And he's going to be more aggressive this year. It seems like he's going to have—he's going back to his 2020 posture where he was taller in the box. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Kim, I don't want to trade him. Starting second baseman, if you trade him, Crony's at second now, which I'm fine with. He can play there. Uh, but then you're having Carpenter play every day at first base. And you're having Cruz DH every day. Like I like the platoon of those of the DH's, Cruz and Carp. And I like Cronoworth playing first, Kim playing second. I like versatility, being able to move some guys around, give guys off days. That's what I like. I like where the roster's at. They brought in Walker. They brought back Martinez. They have good depth so far. Rotation depth. Like, Musgrove got hurt, but I like what I'm seeing out of Tehran. I like what I'm seeing out of Chris Matt. Lugo, I like what I'm seeing. I like what I'm seeing out of Nick Martinez. I like what I saw a little bit out of Brent Honeywell today. I like what I've seen out of Reese Kinnear. Um, like, I, I like what I've seen out of Weathers. He, he might be the leader for the six-starter spot right now. So, I'm fine with the pitching that they have right now. Before the deadline, okay, we can have this conversation again. But the Padres, I think they're the favorites for the National League West. They're a World Series contender. I'm not trading either of those guys right now. There's no reason to trade those guys right now. Unless you're getting like Corbin Burns, I guess, but that's not enough, obviously. You're trading Merrill and one of those guys, probably. And I don't want to do that. I'm not forcing that right now. I want to, for me, it's kind of like I want to see how Kim does again, continue to be- develop. I want to see Grish bounce back. I want to see how he does. You can always make changes before the deadline. Uh, but forcing something, that's not what I want to do. If I was Preller, I'm obviously not. Just one fan's opinion. Alex says, hopefully David Dahl makes the team. I think he will. He has the advantage being a lefty, can play some center, can play right, can DH, and he's off to a really hot start in spring training. So he has the major league experience. Yeah, I mean, the Padres, they probably want a lefty off the bench too. And he's a lefty, a lefty outfielder. Doll fits that. Thank you so much, Mr. Robot, for the super chat. 1999 uh, says, great coverage, Ben. Thoughts on the pitch clock, Adv- advantage, excuse me, for the batter or the pitcher? Games are shorter. Boo. Games, games are not shorter. The game time, like the, the, the dead time, is shorter. The games are not shorter. They're still playing nine innings. Tonight, Padres, Cubs, Padres got no hit. The game was less than two and a half hours long. It was still nine innings. They still played all 18 half innings. It's not shorter. The game time is shorter because the dead time is shorter, but we're not getting. Sh- it's not like it's a seven inning game. It's a, it's a nine inning game still. So, yeah, I guess you have less time to go get beer in the concession stands, probably because the seventh inning is going to be over. Maybe sometimes in less than two hours in some games, but um, I like the I like the pitch clock. I like the pace. Like, you can't you can't be you know sitting at home go to the bathroom and you didn't really miss anything you might have missed a whole f- half in it with the pace I love that you know keeping fans engaged right not like oh man this game's slow let me go check another sport on another channel or let me go watch something else because this is boring no there's always going to be action it might be a blowout and that might turn fans away but you can't control that as you know major league baseball but the pitch clock I like it because there there was there's some guys james karencheck of the guardians blake snell trent grisham they take forever sometimes to either get on the mound get in the batter's box like stay in the batter's box you can step one foot out take a little practice swing or a half swing deep breath and then get back in the box like you don't need to be taking three practice swings it's almost like golf like i wish they had a clock a little bit in golf too like okay or maybe not a clock, but, like, one practice swing and go. You know, there's there's those guys that take, like, five practice swings and then they slice the ball into the tree, right? That's kind of how sometimes it was with some batters in baseball. They'd adjust their batting gloves after taking a pitch. Like, it's not like they swung, and it'd take forever. Like, these games would take four hours when it would it should take less than three hours. It's not less baseball. It's the same amount. It's just less dead time. I think You should, baseball fans that have work, that get up at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning, and they watch every game, I think you should love it. MM is baseball says, Morahone and Kim for Corbin Burns. Thoughts? That's not even close to getting that done. There's no way that the Brewers would do that. They already have Willie Adamas, who's a good shortstop, probably an underrated shortstop. And Morahone... He's not even a starter in this Padres rotation. They're not trading one of the best starters in baseball for that. That's not even that's not even gonna yeah. The the Brewers would just laugh at that offer if Preller really called up them on and said, Hey, Morahone and Kim for Burns, not even that Preller would laugh at that. Or it's not Preller. Preller would be laughed at for that. All right. Is there anything else? Uh, yes, there is. I did want to get to this real quick. Quick note here. Um, according to Kevin AC, Reese Kinnear starting tomorrow's game. When you're listening to this on the podcast platforms, it's probably today's game Saturday. Uh, Reese Kinnear will start. Hader will make his first Cactus League appearance. And is against, I believe, the Diamondbacks tomorrow. Tim Hill will make his first Cactus League appearance, I think, this season. Robert Suarez will be in there. Steven Wilson will be in there. So all Major League guys, or Kinnear maybe, but Hader, Hill, Suarez, Wilson, they're going to be on the opening day roster, you would think. They're all going to be in there tomorrow in the spring training game. So that's good to see. I know a lot of fans were like, where are these relievers? Where's Josh Hader? We haven't seen him. Where's Robert Suarez? And where's the big-time guys? We haven't seen these guys. Well, the Padres, it was a plan. They wanted some of these lower guys, the depth guys to get work in these early Cactus league games so they can see them in game settings with the clock stuff like that. the relievers that are going to be on the roster they don't need this much Cactus League time like they get their work facing facing Bogarts Manny and Tatis, Soto on the backfields, crony like Kim, those guys, which is what they've been doing before getting into these Cactus league games. That's good enough to start your your spring training off. You don't need to be playing in these Cactus League games and pitching. I think that's more early on. It's more for pitchers getting worked, uh, getting the pitch counts up, getting some depth guys, minor league guys, getting them time in front of the major league coaching staff and evaluators, not just on backfields. Seeing how they deal with real game situations where they have to get out of it. They know what the relievers are going to do. They've done it at the big league level. You're not worried about oh, what is Josh Hader going to do if he has a lot if he allows men on? Like we know, they're going to pitch through it. But see how these minor league guys are going to do with that, and see if they can get out of it. See if they can adjust facing Dansby Swanson. See how they do. You know, I, th- I think that's what Ruben Niebla's plan was. Bob Melvin doesn't really do this. I'm sure he had a little bit of a say, but in spring training. Ruben Diebel is the one that has the plan for when pitchers are going to go win. All right. So that's the Padres stuff for today. I don't think I missed anything. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. Sorry. Gary Cohen, the Mets play by play guy, man, did he uh, go too far with this Musgrove stuff? So yesterday he was on the Mets spring training broadcast and they were doing this injury report and, he made fun of Musgrove's injury. He was making light of it. Here is, or I got to pull it up, sorry. My page reloaded. Here's uh, Gary Cohen making light, trying to make light, like making fun of the Musgrove injury, dropping the kettlebell on his foot. CDW. We mentioned Gavin Lux. How about Joe Musgrove dropped a dumbbell on his big toe and broke it because he didn't have the uh, sticky stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah, shut up. Really? Did you really have to do that? Making fun of an injury? Yes, he didn't have the sticky stuff. This is the same guy, by the way, that criticized Buck Showalter for going out there and in that spot and checking Musgrove. And he literally said Musgrove didn't cheat in, on the SNY post-game show after the Mets lost and were eliminated by the Padres. And now he's flip-flopping, maybe because he wants to be on Buck Showalter's good side, maybe. The Mets' good side, hey, uh, He's flip-flopping and now saying that Musgrove had sticky stuff. Well, guess he didn't have the sticky stuff. Making jokes about someone getting hurt. Were Don and Mud making jokes when Gavin Lux or making light of the Gavin Lux injury? No, it's an injury. You don't make fun of injuries. And it's not like they made fun of Musgrove. Oh, I guess he didn't have the sticky stuff. It would be one thing if they said that and he had sticky stuff in game three of the Wild Card. He did not have sticky stuff in game three of the Wild Card series. That is made up. Mets fans were ch- chanting cheater. Musgrove wasn't cheating. The umpires went and, like, undressed the guy, checking his ears, everything. He wasn't cheating. Buck Showalter made himself look like an idiot. He made Musgrove look like an idiot because now people thought he was cheating when he wasn't. And then Showalter makes himself look like an idiot because he's accusing Musgrove of cheating in the biggest game of his life instead of just admitting, yeah, Musgrove dominated us. He shoved against us. How about just take that instead of continuing to drag this on, And making light, trying to make light of someone having an injury. Someone breaking a toe. I wonder how Mets broadcasters or Mets fans would like it if Don Orsillo sat there and let's say Max Scherzer got hurt doing the same thing tomorrow and Don Orsillo gets on the mic and they're doing an injury report and Don says the same thing about Max Scherzer. Well, I guess he wasn't having sticky stuff. How would Mets fans feel about that? Probably not great, right? So I, I don't think Mets fans should be mad at us uh, being pissed off about that. Seems like Mets fans are still a little salty. Gary Cohen, the play-by-play guy of the Mets, Keith Hernandez, the analyst for the Mets, seems like they're a little salty about Musgrove shoving it up there, you know what, in the wild card game, in game three. Just went too far. There was no need, no need to do that. Could have just said Joe Musgrove out, fractured fractured toe, dropped a kettlebell on it, and left it at that. Because it's an injury report. You're just saying someone's out for a certain amount of time, what the injury was. That's not where you add in a joke trying to make light of an injury. That pissed me off today. But hey, guess who beat them? The Padres. Okay, so that I think I got everything out on the Padres stuff. Um, San Diego State, so I did want to hit that here before we get out of here. Uh, their senior night, if you're listening to this or watching this on replay, their senior night is tonight, Saturday. Uh, I'm doing this on Friday night, so it's tomorrow night technically. Um, a rope, Bradley, Mensa, and Seiko, those are definitely their last games at Viejas Arena as an Aztec. Uh, they don't have any more eligibility. There's some other guys like Keisha Johnson that I think are participating in the senior night festivities because they haven't, like, indicated if they're coming back for their next season. Um, but we know a rope, Bradley, Menzies, Seiko, those are the guys that are done at Viejas after tomorrow. And the the Aztecs, if they beat Wyoming, they will be able to raise that banner. I don't know if they do it after the game, right after the game. But they will have be able to raise that banner, sole Mountain West champs, regular season, conference champs. Instead of having to share it with another team, just sole outright conference champs tomorrow, if they can beat Wyoming. And Wyoming stinks. They're without their best player, Graham Ike. Um, let me check what Wyoming's record is. It's not good. Wyoming. Tomorrow, by the way, the game's at seven PM. And it doesn't look like they want to say what the record is. Here it is. Uh Wyoming is four and thirteen in conference, nine and twenty overall. Yeah. So not not just for the sole possession uh or the sole outright mountain west conference regular season title but also for seeding right if they lose to wyoming you're not you're 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 probably not going to be in the sacramento region you're not going to be a four seed they're already not going to be a four seed i wouldn't think you're probably not going to be a five seed you're probably going to be a six or a seven if you lose to wyoming if you want to be a five seed uh and i don't know if they'd be in sacramento but let's say you're a five seed if you know you can beat wyoming and have a solid showing in the conference tournament that's the ideal scenario here like you you lose to wyoming that would really suck especially after choking a lead to boise state like that boise state they're a good team but that's a game you should have won because you had you were in position to win that game and you lose to wyoming i mean especially on senior night That would be embarrassing. So let's hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not worried about it. I I think they're going to beat Wyoming. Uh, Adam Seiko, if he gets a win tomorrow, if San Diego State wins, he will tie, I think, Jimmer for for the most wins by a single player in Mountain West history. I don't know what that specific number is, but Seiko's played a long time with San Diego State. So good for him. Um, All right. I think that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 352. Thank you so much for tuning in. By the way, USD, uh, that's, a, that's the other San Diego sports. Oh, no, there's, there's a couple more, actually. Sorry, I was about to end this, and I totally forgot. So, John Canzano, he does some, like, Pac-12 stuff. He had a report today saying the Pac-12 CEO group voted to approve further exp- exploration with four schools, potential expansion. San Diego State is one of them. SMU is another. Colorado State might be another team. And he doesn't know the fourth team. But San Diego State, they've had conversations with, they've been in constant contact with the Pac-12, according to Canzano, which is not a surprise. San Diego State, if there's going to be expansion, it seems like San Diego State's going to be the first team that's going to get that nod. There'll probably be two teams, not just one. But San Diego State is probably the Pac-12's top priority over any of those other schools. Um, So I'd be surprised if San Diego State does not get to the Pac-12 at this point. But I'm someone that's just sitting here and it's like, okay, it feels like we've been going round and round with this process. Can we just get this over with now? Like, can we please just let us know if you're going to expand or not? If you're not going to expand, then let us know. I know they have to figure out the TV deal and there's the Apple stuff. So a lot is happening there and it's, it's more complicated than I'm probably making it, but it's been like since like what last summer, since we've been hearing San Diego state's name, like, let's just, can we get this process over with? If you're going to expand, then great. San Diego state's probably going to the PAC 12. If they're not going to expand, then just let's listen, let us know. So we don't get our hopes up. Right uh usd basketball that's the other one i wanted to get to they lost to portland the other day i think it was yesterday uh it was tight at halftime and then i turned it to the pac-12 women's because that was a better game stanford who lost tonight by the way to um they were upset by ucla ucla is a good team um i know i'm totally veering away from san diego sports uh but I, I watched the USD game a little bit. It was tied at halftime. They ended up losing by, I think, double digits. So they are, I don't even know if they're going to be in the NIT. They ended up not having a good end to their season in Lappin's first year at USD. So that's what's going around right now in San Diego Sports. All right, now I'm done. Episode 352, Talking Friars. Thank you so much. Ben Fadden signing off. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Live, replay, podcast platforms. And I'll see you guys later. Go Padres.